Welcome to today's episode of the Indoensers podcast. Our guest is an established playback singer who is probably most well known for his prominent collaborations with music director Santosh Narayanan. His first major step into music on the public scene came with reality TV, as he was a winner in A.R. Mansur's Ooh La 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 show and as he was one of the stars in the second season of Vijay TV's Super Singer. Since then, he has had a busy journey in the film music scene primarily, contributing to the industry both as a singer and as a composer. I'm super excited to be speaking to the wonderful singer, composer, iconic Kavali whistler and fellow blogger Vijay Narain Rangarajan. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It's an absolute pleasure to be on this. Thanks thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, just to start off, it's the question I really don't want to ask, but because of the times we're in, I've had to kind of been forced to ask uh, on every episode, partly because I started this whole platform in April of 2020, and that coincides with something that has happened globally, and that's the coronavirus pandemic. So yeah. inevitably the first question of every episode has been you know how has this pandemic affected you in terms of music and outside music as well and you're in a different country compared to most of my previous guests here in Australia I know that there was a lockdown until early something like a lockdown until quite recently if I'm not mistaken so yes, it is great. something that continues to affect your life I presume So could you just speak on how the coronavirus pandemic affected your life in music and out of music and perhaps if there are any positives you could take away from this unusual time. Oh absolutely. So you're spot on when you've said that you know there is no escaping the impact of the uh, pandemic no matter what profession you're in and being in two professions myself it had an impact on both the professions that I was in. So it's quite it's been quite the journey since i guess even pre covid right so it it all started when you know i sort of i was doing work on this movie uh, as a composer it was my first movie and i was doing it in sydney and i'd sort of finished composing the songs and the background score was left this was october 2019 and around that time i was working an it job uh, here and i decided to you know move out of that job take a small break go to india work on the music for the movie maybe for a month or so and then come back to sydney and see how things go like you know based on how the movie did and you know how i felt about being a composer and you know if i really thought i had you know more to give to the uh, music community as a full time musician perhaps because that was the first time i was actually going to like you know leave a job and go to music full time so i wanted to try that out i went to india in october and i had actually not completely moved out of sydney so i was still renting an apartment here and i thought okay you know what let me go it shouldn't take more than a month or two max so it's fine i'll just pay the rent and you know i'll make that move finish the movie come back and then see how it goes except that it it took longer than i thought and the movie i think released uh, end of jan but then it was it was like four months so november december january and february and so i was like okay that's a lot of rent uh, that i'm paying for an apartment in sydney sydney is not a cheap place to be renting in so <laughs> I thought okay you know what let me bring my parents here for a vacation we'll uh, spend a month in sydney and then uh, you know go around a few places and after that i'll just vacate go back to india and do music for a year and see how it goes because you know i've just completed work on a movie 
and there was lots of learnings there like i was very comfortable composing songs and background score was where i thought the challenge was mm-hmm. and so maybe i wanted to like explore further options of you know maybe doing just songs for movies because i'm i think that's something that comes naturally to me like composing melodies and being able to like you know visualize them and arrange them so yeah so that happened and i booked tickets uh, my return tickets so we landed here in the first week of march and i think it was like the fourth or fifth day of landing here when they made an announcement saying india is locking down and you can't come back and then australia shut its borders so i was basically stranded in sydney with my parents thankfully and there was a lockdown for about two months here it wasn't a harsh lockdown to be honest with you but yeah it was early stages and you know no everyone was pretty unsure about what the pandemic had in store for them me on the other hand i had quit my job as well so i had no source of income at that point so and there was literally i think that was also the time when a lot of movie projects were being shelved and the en- entire industry sort of went into a pause mode and so i it was a no brainer that you know there was there was no doing full time music at least in the next few months which meant i had to start looking for a job again and for the first time in my uh, 13 year career i was actually without you know like a full time job and actually actively seeking work during what was probably the worst uh, times to be looking for a job in mm-hmm. in any sector so it took me a couple of months to actually land a job and it was a blessing in disguise in that you know earlier i used to do a lot of my vocal recordings remotely uh, for santosh and for some other composers like satyana so and i used to do that in sydney right but i don't think people had warm, warmed up yet to the concept of you know a singer being just able to re- record remotely and sending files through dropbox and all of that but when the pandemic happened i think this whole remote way of working really became the norm in a lot of industries and you know music was no exception and so i felt like you know what look i actually have a better work life balance in australia because here you know it's like a 9 to 6 or 9 to 5 job and then you've got the time for yourself after that it's a quieter environment and having worked in india i knew that if i was moving back to india there was no way i was going to work in it i was just going to do music and any other creative pursuits there was just no way i was going to like spend 2 hours in commute and then you know 10 hours doing a job and then coming back it just drains you out you can't you can't do anything else at least i i am not you know i don't have the the grit if you may to pursue that dual career in india so i felt like i could actually continue to do music in australia while working and i also realized a lot of things about what i really wanted from my music and it, it it's not just about you know the commercial success so there's a lot of ideas that i want to you know cultivate and i want to explore and bring to life and that can happen with or without it necessarily being on the bandwagon of a movie and so that was one realization that i think happened thanks to the pandemic i mean it would have happened anyway but i'm i'm just glad i didn't spend like one year in india you know maybe hustling or struggling and then figuring out that maybe this wasn't for me whereas now i'm i'm in that nice space where i can do the kind of music that i want I in fact recorded a few songs uh, after that as well and so yeah it is it is quite a, like i said it there are ups ups and downs to it I have been able to uh, balance music and work rather well up till this point and I kind of have hit that sweet spot where I know when and what I want to do in music so I think that's that's uh, been one of the revelations and I know it's it's a highly privileged take that I'm saying here because for a lot of full time musicians the pandemic was really a punch in the gut because you know that was their livelihood and it's it's been affected badly and so i would i this is not i mean i would never advise someone to do what i did <laughs> because obviously you know it's it's very easy to say all of this when you've got like a day job to go to and that pays your bills right so maybe what i would say is yeah if you can 
have like a side hustle or have a main hustle and make music a side hustle because or have multiple hustles and i think a lot of people are already doing that anyway these days so sorry that's a really long answer to a question that you asked but uh, yeah that that's yeah that's pretty much what happened during covid now the interesting part was australia especially sydney had the uh, delta outbreak just four months ago for the first time i mean we are we are technological laggards in certain ways i mean you know we've got like slow internet and what not but uh, we did lag behind even when it came to vaccinations and covid so we didn't have like you know massive lockdowns to be honest like the country had its international borders shut but we were pretty much free when the rest of the world was locked down during a good part of last year but what didn't happen was the vaccination wasn't ramped up in time and so when the delta strain actually came to australia in june a lot of the population wasn't vaccinated so it took us uh, like a f- three and a half months of harsh lockdown to actually get up to speed in terms of vaccination rates before everything opened up just two weeks ago so those were rather harsh months to be honest i mean my parents were back in india thankfully so it was just me having to deal with uh, lockdown by myself the initial few weeks were interesting because i was still exploring uh, some of my musical ideas on instagram uh, and other things but after that it sort of you know starts getting to you it's just uh, one of those things where you know the lockdown has its impact so you do things to keep sane so i think the second lockdown was yeah harsher but i'm also quite proud of the way i've navigated it so yeah all good now we're we're open so i'm looking forward to what what lies ahead yeah i think uh i've definitely enjoyed part of uh, what you had to put out on instagram during there's more food than music but yeah that was another uh, you know positive aspect because i'm i'm the kind of guy who would order take away food 5 out of 7 days and mm. it was completely reversed during the lockdown i was like cooking almost every day so that's good yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i can't say anything i can't cook but <laughs> it's it's great if anybody can cook <laughs> Yeah, don't wait for a lockdown for you to get inspired to cook. That's all I'd say. Yes, unsolicited that's, advice there. That's probably very good advice. <laughs> so, um, away from lockdown and away from the present, I kind of like to take this back to the beginning and kind of walk the steps up until the present. So, sure. um, let, let's go right back. So, just on a very general note, what's your first musical memory? What's your first memory relating to to music? the first musical memory that's that's actually a very good question because i i interestingly have quite a vivid memory of listening to anjali the album the ilayaraja album now okay uh, disclaimer i'm going to say ilayaraja nayar rahman without saying ilayaraja sir and ilayara you know rahman sir <laughs> because they are like you know sachin tendulkar to me i don't you don't say sachin tendulkar sir you just say tendulkar right so that that's yeah, how they are <laughs> yeah, so no offense i mean this is this is more out of you know respect for the levels that they are at and doesn't matter if you work with them or not they are untouchable idols right up there so yeah so anjali was the first album i remember uh, listening to in our uh, madras house that and uh, preeti sagar's nursery rhymes i don't even know if a lot of people remember that but those were the introductions to nursery rhymes but it was more the music that struck me i don't even remember the rhymes anymore but yeah and then uh, night flight to venus the boniam album we mm-hmm. had a cassette of that so there was i think that had uh, rasputin and painter man and a few other really good songs from the day i don't know it's a very peculiar thing like a lot of south indian households at that time had boniam cassettes for some reason like they may not have had the beatles but boniam was like a mainstay of a lot of these households i, I really don't know what that trend was but i'm i'm just glad i was exposed to it <laughs> yeah that's that's really my first musical memory and then uh, we moved to delhi when i was quite young must have been 5 years old i think and 
around that time there used to be the show called super hit mukabla if i remember correctly uh, i don't know who was hosting it but yeah shahrukh khan was quite popular even then there was a song called ole ole that i remember and then dubbed versions of rahman songs that used to make it like you know mukala mukabla and all of that and i used to make these annual trips to bombay to visit my grandparents one distinct memory i have from possibly 94 or 93 was being in a taxi in bombay uh, what was the song it was probably mukala mukabla or some other song from the same album chikabukarele yes chikabukarele oh. playing in tamil in the cab so i was like what what's happening like why is the tamil <laughs> song playing in bombay it just blew my mind back then i didn't i didn't know who rahman was at that time like i was too naive to you know understand what was going on but you know the song like when you hear chikabukarele you just know the song and you're like wow there's a tamil song and that i don't know it blew my mind back then so yeah some some snippets of you know my earliest musical memories yeah yeah and uh, as you kind of hinted at i understand that you grew up in various places around mm-hmm. india chennai delhi bombay and salem for a few years if i'm correct and yep i i also understand that most of your exposure to in terms of like film music or popular music in general was mostly kind of ramonser songs so yes. i'm just curious you've lived in various cities did those various cities bring about any different musical influences or was it, or was it just arr in different languages all the way through that is a great question so the funny part is arr's music started having its impact on me only much later in life like i said i was not i was not actively paying attention to who was composing the music or whatever so uh, must have been like tal and dil se and i think i call it the rahman realization point like there is this point in life when every listener suddenly gets obsessed with rahman's music and they start that journey of exploration they go back to the old albums and they like what the hell is happening and so for me that was actually lagan it wasn't even like you know any of his earlier albums it was quite late like i said so and around the same time dil chata hai had also released but lagan was like the album for me where i was like wow okay this is just magic because it's a period movie and you know there was no electronic instruments standing out in the album i mean obviously he's used electronic instruments in that like there's pads and stuff but then you know there's no there's no programmed stuff in that right i mean you don't really hear any of those typical things and i'm like wow how does how does he create this magic and that really kick started the journey of rahman in terms of influences from you know growing up in these places i actually started uh, learning carnatic music when we moved to delhi so i learned it for about 2 years in delhi from sri uh, ov subramaniam sir so that's os tyagarajan's father oh wow so, okay yeah so they used to live in delhi uh, around the time and so he was he was a wonderful guru like i have very fond memories of learning carnatic music from him so his grandson os mukundan and i used to sit in the same class just the two of us and he would teach us so it used to be really nice like you know his house in karol bag and we used to go there and learn music and then pick up copies of this magazine called gokulam on the way back home with dad so very fond memories but then when we moved to salem i actually couldn't find a guru funnily enough and so most of my singing was uh, restricted to whatever they taught in the school that i went to and i was in salem for a couple of years so my music stopped then and then we moved to bombay and in bombay i pursued carnatic music again for another 2 years uh, in shanmukhananda sabha 
and then i reached year 10 and being indian parents i was like okay you know what focus on your studies now that happened and i was i was actually quite obsessed with carnatic music around the time and after 10th i moved to chennai and i wanted to continue and by that time my guru uh, like ovi subramaniam sir had moved to madras and he had settled in mamalam but he was very old at that time i still went to him for like classes for about 6 months but then after that you know again year 12 and what not so we just stopped and my carnatic music journey sort of ended there and part of the reason why was also because my academic sort of took a hit like i've had this crest centrops of academic brilliance i wouldn't say all through my life i was quite bright till like year 8 and then there was a bit of a dip and then year 10 i was okay and then year 11 was probably like the nadir where i was like not doing well at all and it had to do with a lot of things like the school i went to was not a not a great place to be and then you know i was out out of my comfort zone my parents were in bombay and i was in chennai so i think the whole displacement sort of took a toll that was kind of the time when i was obsessed with carnatic music as well so there was this perception among my peers and my teachers that you know i was too invested in music and therefore not concentrating on my studies which may have been true but it was also a lot of other factors so my studies took a real bad hit at that time like i was in the bottom rung in the class and i mean I, even back then i knew it was very uncharacteristic for me because i wasn't like i wasn't bad at studying it was just one of those things where you know your mind's not in the right space so i took a break from music and right at the end of my 12th standard is when i actually did well and my board exams were quite the surprise like my board exam marks were quite the surprise for my principal was like how the hell did you get this so <laughs> i scored quite well so and then like everybody else i joined engineering college so there's a saying like in in tamil nadu you join engineering and then figure out what you want to do in life so that's pretty much what i did so i joined college and then uh, so the thing is the, the association back then with carnatic music sort of became negative in my head like because i i was trying to hold on to it during a very bad phase in my life and so i tried to stay away from it just to keep those memories at bay and college was also the time when a lot of my uh, classmates were into various forms of music like i got introduced to a lot of uh, hard rock back then like your acdcs and white snake and uh, deep purple and yeah you know the you know the drill right so that was that was really uh, fun that was a fun phase my college unfortunately didn't have a great band so to speak like there were a bunch of people trying to put stuff together but most of them had like you know classical background and so yeah we we didn't quite have the kind of bands that some of, some of the other colleges had some great musicians were there in my peer group and the other colleges like flute navin used to play for uh, i i forgot what college he was in but there were like a lot of really good musicians around there so i would go to all these festivals and you know yearn for something like that or yearn to be a part of that but couldn't quite be in it and to be honest my singing wasn't great back then like i didn't i didn't know how to sing for film like all my training was just in carnatic music so if i were to sing a film song i would i would make a very carnatic rendition of it and you know people would just say it sounds very uh, you know it doesn't it lacks the uh, feel with by which they mean dynamics and emotion right, so right. yeah that was there in terms of influences sorry i have to make this so around 1998 uh, when i was in bombay that was the time cds were becoming more prominent like there was a transition cassettes to cds and i had this friend who was quite well off and he used to have a lot of cds in his house and his dad had greatest in music which he sort of passed on to him so he introduced me to a lot of good music and this was also the time when like backstreet boys and boys zone and ricky martin and all these guys were like really popular so i was into that like mainstream pop but at the same time there was also a lot of other uh, things i can't quite remember but uh, there was a lot of good musicians that he was listening to i think marvin gay and bob marley and stuff 
So yeah, those were some influences, and I think the indie pop revolution happened at the same time. Lots of good indie pop music. Colonial Cousins was a big, big influence. Like I, I, Hariharan sir is one of my uh, one of the idols that I look up to in terms of singing. And I'm with uh, you there. sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Colonial Cousins, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I have to thank my dad for that. Like he one day he just got this uh, Colonial Cousins cassette, and along with another uh, Ghazal cassette of Hariharan's. and i was like what, what is this why have we got some random stuff and then when i played it i was hooked to it like colonial cousins was such a new sound back then and the fact that you know there is like hariharan sir singing english in a perfectly indian accent but then it nothing about it sounds off like we've got this mental picture of what an authentic english songs should sound like because we've only heard like you know music from america or others other places in the west but then when you have someone you know singing indian english and it's it's quite intelligible right so you can you can actually make out what he's saying and it's beautiful like it's such a well produced album it's held up so well even today so that was a pretty big influence and my introduction to ghazals was also hariharan thanks to again my dad getting one of these cassettes and then i used to just pester him to get more and i did i did listen to a lot of carnatic music growing up like my house my household listened to a lot of carnatic music so yeah like maharaja prem santanam and then in the later years uh, madurai mani ayer was a favorite for me i used to listen to a lot of his music uh, especially his chittaswarams were like really really uh, like kalpana swaram sorry yeah, yeah yeah they were like legendary so yeah when i was in that carnatic zone i used to try you know to sing like him or at least try to uh, listen to a lot of his uh, music for inspiration yeah and yeah. Uh, you, you brought up carnatic music and i mean carnatic music is like as far as i am aware you know when you're a child for the indians i know for the south indians i know like yeah. everybody does carnatic music it's kind of like a norm and then people will give it up at different stages in life but obviously for you you had a very special kind of passion and also you know capability and talent towards not only carnatic music but vocal performance in general so you know whether it's it's in terms of carnatic music or music in general when did you notice your passion and skill in terms of vocal performance i think uh, my parents noticed that when i was quite young mm-hmm. uh, i still remember them saying that i i won some competition when i was in kindergarten like some bharatiya singing competition and they said that you know i could sing in pitch because like my family doesn't have any musicians in it so as far as i know i mean they could probably sing but no one pursued it but uh, yeah so my parents enrolled me in music class but they were looks like they were quite serious about the fact that i could sing like they did identify that talent in me so they sent me to karate class and i was quite good at it at that time so but when i actually started taking it seriously like i said was when i was in like you know i think my 11th standard that's when when i moved to chennai i would go to all these kacheris like I I didn't realize the Carnatic music scene was that big in in Madras because I hadn't really lived my childhood in Madras so it was quite quite the revelation but when I really really wanted to become a musician was when I started hearing about how I mean by that second year in college I was already like this hardcore Rahman fan I'd heard all of his albums enough time to catch up and listen to everything uh, he had composed by then so I had done that and I'd heard that you know he would just pick raw talent out of nowhere and make them overnight superstars and he was consistently doing them like every album we would look for like somebody new in the credits and we'd be like wow okay this person's uh, set for stardom now and truly enough they would they would you know go on to become amazing singers and or they were already amazing singers they just needed you know Rahman to pluck them out of uh, obscurity and put them out there 
so that that was inspiring and the fact that you know he was he was this really really humble guy who would work you know he wouldn't he didn't seem to have any pretenses about who he was working with or uh, the kind of musicians that he wanted to work with like he would pick the most diverse of voices as well so that sort of really uh, inspired me and I was like okay if i if i have to become a musician you know it has to be by singing for rahman that should be my goal like my be all and end all was sing for rahman and that that really was what drove me to anything that i was doing every time i would enter a competition or something i would just be like you know i hope somebody in this you know, competition watches me and they know rahman and they go tell rahman about me like i i think it's it's pretty much what every singer thinks yeah at least you know <laughs> you want to sing for rahman yeah for sure and i'm, I'm yeah. just curious to know so when you came to chennai in your 11th standard if i'm correct mm-hmm. were you alone in chennai so i was i was living with an aunt uh, that i okay. hadn't really known too well mm-hmm. like my aunt's family that is mm-hmm. and she was also like a very uh, like she was a carnatic music enthusiast so she okay. would take me along to concerts and stuff it was quite embarrassing because i wasn't really performing well in my studies and i was living with them and their kids were like her kids were like performing really well so like in, <laughs> they were doing well in studies and you know how the competition goes right so yeah. all these things <laughs> in mind so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i guess it was the feeling of you know it was the uh, fact that i was away from my parents and not doing too well academically but i was being recognized in school at the same time for my musical uh, achievements like winning competitions like the school would put me in front for any music competitions back then so yeah that yeah it was it was a weird time what what were the sort of opportunities or musical opportunities you got in school like Um, they just like no, regular competitions or yeah they were just mostly like inter school competitions uh mm-hmm. group singing competitions uh and all of that so my school was quite the uh, how do you call it like it was it was a i, I went to a school called jaygopal garodia hindu vidyalaya so they used to take part in all these what was it called the bharat vikas parishad uh, competition so this was like this inter school uh, competition of patriotic songs and such So I remember being in this contest where this was a group singing competition where I had some solo parts and the uh, the zonal winners would go on to enter a state like like a nationwide competition that was happening in Bombay and because my parents were in Bombay at that time I really wanted us to win and we actually won the zonals and we ended up going to Bombay oh. so and I I took all my friends to my place I made them visit my parents and you know they hosted our, all of my friends we were probably at my house for like 2 hours and with a lot of because we had teachers with us and you know we had like a couple of teachers whinging about it as well so <laughs> you know how we can be right the worst part was we ended up losing the contest really really badly uh, oh. because i had a completely sore throat uh, i i talk a lot uh, as you would have probably noticed by now so i kept talking throughout the journey in the train because i was super excited to see my parents that's all i cared about at that point right so and when i actually sang in the competition i pretty much croaked a couple of lines that were not in pitch like my solo parts and yeah i, I still think that's that's probably the reason we lost the competition so when we came back uh, usually when when we used to go for these uh, you know the local ones like the previous rounds we would get the next day off just to relax like mm-hmm. take rest because it was an intense competition right when we came back after we lost in uh, bombay our principal didn't give us the next day off so she was like yeah come to school so it was quite the funny time i guess <laughs> but yeah in terms of competitions yes that's that's pretty much what it was during college i used to try and participate in the uh, big ones like sarang and I, i would lose all the time because like i said i was not a great singer 
<laughs> I was I was I really wanted to prove a point but I couldn't at that time because I had no idea what dynamics were and you know what non carnatic singing used to look like I I always used to think you know songs that suit me are songs that are slightly classically based so I would go about singing stuff like kayil midakum kanavani and all of that I mean I love those songs but they probably not my strength they weren't my you know strengths at that time so should have probably chosen better songs but i have no regrets i mean they were competitions they those are college competitions so I, there's only so much you can you know read into those yeah and i mean you've gone a very long way since then so <laughs> yeah <I guess. laughs> well going from the competitions that may not have gone as well let's mm-hmm. move into a competition that did go quite well and that's ula la la so oh, you know after you finished your bachelor degree probably your first step into music on a public level was ulalala this is the the reality show run by the one and only raiman sir my icon your icon everybody's icon <laughs> so um i was going to ask what motivated you to join the competition but unless you have an answer that's not ara sir and i'm guessing that might be a bit of a useless question <laughs> no actually that that no there is there is another reason i mean obviously oh, okay. yes I, i saw ara on the you know on the competition it was like a, a band hunt by ara but i was i was sort of in a defeatist mode where i was like well you know there's no point but then i i had a classmate who was a guitarist uh, and he uh, was like hey do you want to start a rock band and go to this competition and see how it goes and he was a kind of guitarist who would you know he who would want like four out of five minutes in a song fronting the band and playing solos <laughs> so the vocalist would perform around him uh, it was all fine i was like well yeah let's let's give it a shot what, what do we have to lose right and uh, so we and he he pretty much put the band together i was just supposed to be like the vocalist and composer if you may and so uh, yeah we we did a few jams and then he got uh, nritya maria andrews on board who's a really good singer and so she sort of became like the lead vocalist and i was like the co-vocalist in that band and yeah we we had no idea how we sounded because that was really the first time i was in a band and mm. it was a it was a five piece band sorry there were six of us so there was like guitars bass drums vocals and keyboards yes right like i said we had absolutely no idea how we sounded because we didn't have any other reference point at that point in time but then when we went to the prelims and we had like you know uh, paul jacob who was one of the judges again i had no idea who he was till that point but then thanks to my arr research i knew that you know paul was one of those early uh, you know bandmates groupies whatever with arr at that point in time so he's a you know brilliant musician himself and is an amazing guide like if if you if you're a musician you know you should definitely have a conversation with paul jacob he's he's like one of those guys who who can give you like superb insights into music so we didn't know that back then but we played and we could see you know paul like shaking his head and you know rocking out and when the solo came i started introducing the band like you know with a bit of flamboyance i was like yeah on the guitars it's this guy on the drums it's this one and then right after everything ends the audience erupts everyone's clapping this was german hall in tinagar if i remember correctly and so all of that happens and then we come down paul calls me and says never speak in the middle of a guitar solo <laughs> <laughs> like okay <laughs> <laughs> like you guys were amazing you're through and we were like wow okay that was cool and then yeah we just made through the next two rounds and we actually lost the semi finals against 
I believe it was Zinks, uh, mm-hmm. Anirudh's band. Yeah. Anirudh Leon. Ooh la 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 was this contest where pretty much anybody who's somebody in the music scene today was probably a part of it. Yeah. And I'm sure like other musicians on the podcast have told you about Ooh la yes. la, right? Yeah. So like there was there was uh, Anirudh Zinks, uh, Keba Kalyani, uh, Prashant Techno. uh lots lots of people like you could you could keep naming people you could like go back ujjaini was there yeah so it was a beautiful experience because there were a lot of really talented musicians that we were like getting to uh, speak to at that point and we were like sharing ideas over email and what not yeah just just checking out the other bands checking out the competition but at the same time making some friends back then and oh yeah agam was one of those bands that we were yeah. like wow what what the hell are these guys like you know <laughs> Agam was solid even back then. Like they, I, we, I had no idea they were just like a couple of years old when they joined the uh, competition, or maybe less than that. Like they were quite a young band apparently at that time, but they didn't sound like that. Like they sounded proper professionals. Um, yeah. So we we lost to uh, Zinks, and uh, but even then it was quite an enriching experience because we had like an amazing panel of judges back then. We had like I think Kumaresh sir was a judge, uh, H. Sri Dasa was a judge. the late hachi the legendary um and we got glimpses of arm answer and that was actually the first time i got to take a pic with him and then the competition ended so the telecast wasn't much uh, to speak about like not a lot of people saw it it was just a half an hour uh, you know there were just half an hour episodes with really tiny edited versions of the performances so that was quite disappointing but then uh yeah people forgot about the show we forgot about the show our band in fact kind of disintegrated right after and it took us almost like you know few more months i believe there were some of the bands that were active at the time were like you know pushing for the organizers to uh, you know announce the results and what not then one fine day we got a call saying come to this place uh, we've got like the final uh, announcements and uh, because we already knew that there were like three bands in the finals or two bands in the finals that had performed mm-hmm. well okay why are we being called and then they play this video clip where Rahman sir speaking about uh, making six bands as joint winners and we were one of the bands and so we were like super thrilled what it meant was that we would get to record our song in Rahman sir's studio so we ended up doing that over the next year and the album i think released a, a little bit after but by that time we had also like you know done other things like i had been part of super singer by then like it was 2009 so that was a really good experience just in terms of the uh, kind of music that it exposed me to and pretty much what the chennai scene looked like the band scene looked like and what it took to be a musician even then i hadn't really you know blossomed as a vocalist during the show i was doing more of a supporting role like i said but then i had like decided to try out for super singer and then that story was a long one like that that just went on for like almost a year and i just grew from strength to strength you just realize and pick up things on the way like when you're seeing other people do things and that's also how i i got like dynamics and you know the whole emoting in the song thing it just happened one day i i don't know if it's like the grace of god or what what snapped but suddenly i was like oh people were like hey you you've got really good feel and i'm like wait this is the exact opposite of what i used to hear from people in college and like okay something's working uh, guess i won't i won't actively do something to uh, ruin it i guess <laughs> so that's not how it went <laughs> Yeah, and you, you touched on this earlier, but as one of the winners of Ula La La, you got to be part of an album released by Ramanser, yeah. where you presented an original composition called Ondrai Sirvom. Took a bit of digging to find that, but managed to get there. <laughs> so, you know what? So then you know what I mean. What I mean when I say that I completely lack dynamics in the vocals, right? <laughs> 
and pretty sure you've come a long way since then. And yeah. uh, part of that was Super Singer. And yeah, so after Ooh La La La, you, as you mentioned, you started off with Super Singer. So, and yeah. I, I'm just curious because, I mean, you did say Ooh La 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 didn't quite do well in terms of publicity and commerciality and all that. But I, I'm sure you must have gotten at least some public attention from that. So, you know, entering another public singing contest, was this sort of public attention something you felt you thrived off or was it like an obstacle that you kind of had to overcome through experience? To be very honest, uh, there were no mobile phones or at least smartphones back then when there was Ula Lala happening. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was, it was barely uh, half an hour with like, you know, two minutes per band. So really there was no public attention. There was probably attention from the rest of the peer group and, you know, from our friends and family, because we told them about it. But I don't think even my uh, classmates from college realized that I was part of the show, like, oh, la, la, la. oh really? yeah, honestly, like nobody knew that I was in it. I guess uh, it was completely the opposite with Super Singer because the first season had become like a super hit. I guess the first actual season of Super Singer was the uh, Hindi one, right? In which uh, Naresh had been picked, even though he didn't win it, you know, ARR sir picked Naresh uh, to mm-hmm. sing My Lirige. That was actually the first ever edition of a show called Super Singer. And then, oh, okay. yeah, that was in Hindi. And then that became, I mean, you know, Vijay TV started to do it in Tamil. What had happened was I had joined an IT company to work in. And I realized that one of my teammates was actually Vijay Krishnan, who uh, he was my senior in Cognizant where I worked. He had made the top five, I think, semifinals of Super Singer, the first edition. So I instantly mm-hmm. recognized him and, you know, I spoke to him. I'm like, hey, you're that guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> So, you know, I, I was pretty curious to understand what the experience was like for him. And then when the next announcement came, I told him, look, I'm thinking of trying out. Uh, let's see what happens. And then I just went and recorded something. Uh, I think they had like an audition booth or something where I went and sang a song. And that was it. I wasn't really expecting that to go any further than that. To be very honest, I wasn't expecting to make the cut beyond like the first round or even the first round. But then uh, Vijay actually gave me a lot of insights into how it works and, you know, what to sing and what not to sing, how much to sing and all of that, because he had been through that grind not too long ago. So, and that helped me quite a bit. And it was surprising every time I actually cleared around, like I was surprised every time I cleared around, but then after a while you start to grow in confidence. Like, you know, you just stop uh, doubting yourself all the time and you do start to, and you also kind of start understanding what works and what doesn't in a competition setting so i mean you there are some songs that uh, people will be very picky about if you don't sing them well and there are some other songs that don't probably require the same level of effort and nuance but as long as you can belt them with a nice emotion and vibe you'll probably make a good impression for for an earlier round right so so it's also about smart choices in terms of uh, the songs that you're singing and those were things that i think i learned now, it's, it's not some kind of knowledge that's probably going to help someone in the long run from a musicianship perspective, but uh, it was good to know back then. And I think I got quite some guidance from Vijay at that point. So, yeah. And yeah, it just happened that, you know, I was I made it to the top 20. And from then it was like a televised episode. I, I guess three episodes a week and we were on it all the time. 
and went on for almost a year. So that's really when I started, you know, having attention from the public and, you know, I would take the train to work. It was a really long journey and people on the train would like give me like, you know, these looks, they, they wouldn't be quite sure if it was me, but then they would hesitate. Some people would just come and ask, hey, are you that guy? And then one of those rounds was when everything turned on its head for me. So I was just cruising along and then I sang this English song and everybody acted like that was like the uh, best thing after toasted bread and uh, <laughs> channels doing channel things. So yeah, they, they decided to hype that bit. I'm like, okay, I'm not complaining. Let's do it. Uh, and so yeah, that it was, a, it was a good journey. Again, lots of good singers in that show. Lot, I, I got a chance to meet a lot of playback singers through that show because, you know, you, we would keep having guests. Right. And of course, you know, the panel of judges, all of them had sung for Rema and that's all I cared about that time. <laughs> so, yeah, you would get like good guidance from the likes of Srinivas sir, Unikrishan sir, Sujata ma'am. So it was, it was quite fun. Chinmay was a host and she was a yeah. right to be with back then. I think half the show, yeah, she she left midway. Yeah, yeah she, was, she was an amazing host and she would have a great camaraderie with the uh, contestants as well. So yeah, good times. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking about the competition, I kind of want to take something that happened and kind of blow it up into a, a larger conversation. And uh, mm-hmm. while preparing for this interview, um, I, I was going through your blog and I, I figured there was an incident where there was an issue regarding the audience choosing to eliminate a really talented vocalist. And I'm not interested in digging into the specifics of this incident per se, but I mm-hmm. think this leads to an interesting discussion about audience appreciation of music in general. And I always hear people talking about how quote unquote good music deserves to be appreciated more and maybe how certain songs are getting greater reach than it deserves. So with the backdrop of the kind of incident that happened where a really capable vocalist was eliminated and maybe a lot of sort of music inclined people thought the singer should have stayed Do you think musicians have a kind of responsibility to educate, may not be the right word, but influence listeners to appreciate certain types of music more than others? Or is this just a side effect of how music works? Look, my opinion on this, to be be honest with you, I don't remember which contestant or, you know, which particular person I was talking about in my blog back then, because... As you would have probably noticed, it was, it would have probably been like a really, I don't know, like angsty rant, probably reflective <laughs> of my age back then. So <laughs> No, uh, it, to be fair, a lot of people, it was uh, Ranjani, I believe. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ranjani's elimination was quite, quite controversial at the time. I remember because mm-hmm. she was a, she is a fantastic singer. Look, I think my opinion on that has changed over time about, you know, whether musicianship or the quality of a musician should necessarily trump everything else and reach the audience because I guess there's a certain hubris that comes with uh, being an artist that makes you think that, you know, this is what the audience should be listening to. And the audience will quickly remind you that they are in control and not you. So it's like the market dictates what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean this in just a commercial term, like uh, right. a sense, like, you know, when I say market, I don't really mean uh, a commercial market. What I'm just saying is that Music means different things to different people that are consuming it and not all of them. In fact, most of them don't necessarily need to know anything about music. For some, it's the lyrics. For some, it's just you know something about it, which as a musician, I may never be able to articulate what it is that works for them. And 
I mean, a, a good example is, you know, I've sung Koi Varva and during the lockdown, I've never really paid particular attention to that song as, you know, a success or a failure or whatever. Mm-hmm. But during the lockdown, during COVID, I had so many people reach out to me saying, you know, that song pulled them through a difficult time. And that's been a song of hope and just gratitude, expressing their gratitude for me or to me for singing it. And that's when I realized, you know, it doesn't matter if you're singing the notes right or if you're doing something. Something about the music works for someone and it it may not be the reason that you think it is. So I guess that's what I mean when I say people decide what they want to like and what they don't want to like for various ways in which the music impacts them. And so uh, as far as competitions are concerned, I just feel like, you know, they are pointless beyond a certain level of filtering out because every musician is unique. And, and what competitions largely do is make people sing covers of other songs. And so it's just about who performed the cover better, right? And on one day, someone, it might be someone's good day and they might just do like a really good job of it when someone else might slip up. And so for that day, they perform that cover better. That's all there is to it, right? Again, that isn't to say that the audience will necessarily like the person that performed the cover better. Mm-hmm. And so as long as competitions are only judging people or musicians for their ability to perform existing songs well on stage live i guess that's that's all the scope is so it doesn't define them as a musician wholly it's just like you know a small part of who they are as a musician or who their identity is now some people choose to use that as their entire identity and then just you know stay in that mode where they're just going back trying to win the contest and you know maybe sing in films at some point i guess you know for some people the end goal might be singing in films for some people the end goal might be singing for a particular person for some it may be money and live shows and so for me it kept changing right i mean the the larger goal was always sing for rema because when you sing for rema everything else will come with fame <laughs> and what not and that's that's really what it used to be but it's changed over time and you know there's there's a lot more that i derive from my music these days that has nothing to do with commercial singing you know it may just be like you know sitting with a guitar at home and trying to come up with like an outline for a tune that i may or may not ever convert into a song but then you know those moments that i spend with the guitar trying to work something out that that's quite meditative and i think you know i'm i'm quite grateful that i'm able to do that so that's that's i'm not saying i've reached zen mode in music but <laughs> you know that it's one of those things where i guess having seen the ups and downs you know you have to quickly or rather at some point figure out what you want from the art otherwise it can it can take you to a very dark place in that you know it could cause insecurity or keep you in a constant state of you know worry where you're like okay am i doing the right thing musically as far as i'm concerned i don't think there should be a right or wrong thing or there shouldn't be like a right or wrong trajectory yes of course learning is absolutely important like just just keep exploring learning and i'm also conscious that that's also not possible all the time for everyone especially people you know who are full time in music when you don't know that your you know income is secure you can't be spending a lot of time trying to cultivate your craft in a completely clear state of mind so i absolutely acknowledge the challenges that it comes with but this is just, just this is just my perspective so as far as competitions are concerned yes they can be a great platform to get somewhere to get to know people and then network from there and you know maybe get your break but that shouldn't be what defines you as a musician there are there are ups to it the downs are the fact that you know people will forget you after a year when the next season starts 
no one's literally no one's going to remember you and i sort of made a conscious choice to not be associated or rather not be known as the guy who was on that show or of that fame right so and that was a decision i made out of personal choice it was like you know if people know me they should know me for say a song that i've sung in a movie or a song that i've composed or as a musician and not just somebody who appeared on the show and i don't know with what level of success i've achieved that now but uh, i i guess i am on the right track as far as that's concerned you definitely are on the right track because before i started preparing for this interview i had no idea you were on super singer so if that's anything to go by <laughs> yeah couple of years after super singer happened we had to move to australia which was originally intended to be a short term stay as i understand but ended up being a long term thing and i think during september of last year so i spoke to singer dashana whom you've actually sung with on bairava and she had to move to the us in spite of her singing career which was taking off in india and she was telling me that this shift required a lot of adaptation to keep her singing career going she told me she had to learn you know audio engineering and and recording techniques and and all that so that she could keep her career going did you have to go through any such similar adaptations uh not really because uh, i was always uh, trying to compose and do stuff on the side can't say i was great at it but that started with i guess i had a friend called pratul when i was in college he was in my building so we used to be in this you know bank quarters my dad worked in a bank so we were in bank quarters and he was a geek who would like buy all these you know pc mag and all of these uh, magazines that would come with a cd uh, in the last page sleeve and so i borrowed one of his cds and that had like a copy of uh, fruity loops i think it was version 4 or 3 and i started toying around with it and it was quite an easy user interface back then i had no idea what a midi keyboard was uh, but then you know it was one of those things where you could actually create a beat using the user interface and you could start programming notes and stuff so i i spent like lots of hours on it when i was in college like and i would just play those songs and try to record them on a cassette by just placing the i don't know if you're familiar with it but you can actually like press the record button on your stereo deck on a cassette and it would actually record it I mean if something's playing on a speaker and you placed your cassette deck next to it and press the record and play button together it would write on top of the cassette it basically the speaker would act as a mic so I, I would do that and you know show it to my friends in college using my walkman yeah it was it was fun times the point i'm trying to make is i was always like actively trying to understand how the composing process works even though i had no idea that a baseline was required for a song to sound full i just knew there was something in it but i didn't know it was bass till you know these softwares actually had like you know tracks for bass and what not mm-hmm. so i realized oh okay so this is what's there and that's when i started paying attention to bass lines in rahman songs and what not mm-hmm. i just knew it was a gum effect in a rahman song but i didn't know it was a bass right and then my in my college actually there were a couple of music there was this guy called uh, praveen bala so he is part of a composing trio called praveen prasan and uh, I forgot the name of the third person so they did a few movies i i will look that up and send that to you offline so yeah praveen was a fantastic programmer and arranger so he composed a jingle for one of our college cultures and i was blown away by the sounds and i went to him and i just asked him how how did you do that and so it turns out he was using cubase and mm-hmm. back then it was just an obsession with the the daw without even knowing what it was right so it was just oh wow this guy is using cubase i need to find out what cubase is just that you know i could have done the same thing in fruity loops with whatever synths and patches were available but 
he had you know he had the sense to know what a vst plugin was and he used a plugin called xphrase back then yeah so he he showed what plugins were and he had a midi keyboard so that's when i understood okay so whatever i've been like drawing with my hands that can actually be done much more easily using a midi keyboard mm-hmm. and but then i would need a sound card for that and what not so it was just a lot of information to comprehend at that point so i just continued doing stuff on fl studio but during super singer i guess was when i bought a sound card one of those uh, pci sound cards that you plug into your cpu and it's got like a midi port so you can connect like a midi cable and then you know hook it up with your regular keyboard uh, which has a midi out so tried all of that had bought an sm58 like a sure basic mic yeah so and installed cubase and i would rewire cubase with fruity loops so you could get like you know both the daws working and you could use beats from fruity loops while using the linear multi track mode of cubase to record stuff so it was a process of self discovery but i was quite comfortable by that time you know just recording vocals or mm. uh, you know just creating like four track five track songs back in the day and when i moved to sydney by that time i was also familiar with logic because a lot of the logic loops had made it to films and yeah. one of our past times would be to identify what loop was in what song uh, and i'm sure you know a lot of those right so yes i will do that X- journey <laughs> yeah Funnily enough, uh, the the plugin that I spoke about first, Xphrase, that ha- that had a really popular loop that made its way to like more than one uh, Rahman song and a couple of other non-Rahman songs as well. So uh, yeah, it was, it was quite fun times to say, "Hey, I know that!" Wow, okay. And yeah, so I I guess my uncle was responsible for me getting into Macs. Like he bought me a Mac when I went to B school. So I'm I'm like I guess I owe a lot to him in general. and so this was one of those things so yeah he got me a mac and i installed logic and i learned how to use it and logic is quite intuitive as you know so this was 2012 2013 and i was reasonably familiar with that so when i moved to sydney wasn't a hard thing to be able to record at home so the transition was quite smooth now the decision itself to move to sydney well that that wasn't something that i had to think a lot about uh, in terms of where how that would affect my music simply because i had like a really big student loan that i had to pay off and going to sydney looked like the best option at the time yeah so so as you mentioned you moved to australia and this is kind of when your your playback career did take off as you established a really formidable connection with the uh, music director santosh narayanan and you know there have been so many incredible songs between the two of you so i'm i'm just curious to know like what, what do you think makes the combination click is it a personal connection is there some sort of musical connection or perhaps a combination of both what what do you think it is i think it it's a lot of factors to be honest i mean i was a huge fan of santosh music without uh, actually ever having met him because when i was in b school is when attakate released mm-hmm. and i had briefly sung for pradeep Kalyani and Co in Harmonize project yeah. in a couple of live shows because Pradeep I believe was busy doing uh, Yodaka at the time uh, mm-hmm. Yodaka or Lapungal and so they needed a vocalist for Harmonize project so myself Shakti Sri Harshita Kalyani and Rohit Fernandez yeah we were part of a, like we were the Harmonize project for I think one or two shows we had a blast doing it and I had huge respect for Pradeep and uh, Kalyani and Co at that time because you know they're incredible musicians right And so when I heard Santosh, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is in the same mold." And then I realized, you know, they were all like part of the same community of musicians, like collaborating with each other and growing together at the time. 
and it was it was just brilliant i was a fan then so i needed no introduction to santosh's music when i actually met him what also happened was i believe there was you know sean rolden pradeep and all of these guys used to do this jam at besanagar beach they used to call it street music back then they tried bringing the busking culture to chennai so they did like a few jams and i just happened to attend one of those and uh, i performed one of my own compositions then as well and santosh and his wife were actually there at the time and i remember being introduced to him and i just said hi and that was it right so that's all there was to it and i went back home and then when i actually came to sydney uh, you know santosh's wife meenakshi akashi messaged me on facebook and she said uh, hey i didn't realize you're in sydney we should catch up i'm also in sydney and i was like hang on who is this uh, i didn't know she was his wife so like <laughs> sorry have we met i'm like yeah i'm santosh narayanan's wife uh, we met in uh, chennai do you remember I'm like oh yeah okay sure let's let's meet up and then when i actually met santosh i mean it wasn't like meeting rahman like i would have been uh, you know super conscious and what not but santosh is the kind of guy who you know he's fun to hang around with so he's he's quite down to earth and what not so he had no airs about him and i felt quite comfortable and i guess we just started started off on a very informal note not talking about music at all like we were just talking about random things and uh, we also share a very similar kind of humor so like yeah we we have a penchant for like you know terrible jokes so i guess that's that's where we really bonded so and once that happened the music was quite easy to uh, work on in fact the first ever recording that i did for santosh was uh, i had just gone to watch him record strings at one of the studios in sydney that's actually what he was here for and this was for mopataru vaidhanile so he was recording strings for something and he just asked me to jump into the chorus box with kalyani kalyani was visiting sydney at the time and we did the chorus for the happy song in, in that movie so the the birthday song right so i sang in that and that was actually the first ever time i sang for santosh and i'm like okay that that was all right uh, i mean i wasn't quite happy with the way i had sung it at the time like i was a bit pitchy and then uh, he said he was doing irdi chutra so he called me home once and he used to live quite far from where i was in sydney so i would take like the train which was an hour's journey to his place and he would come to the station and pick me up so went to his house and i heard the song and he asked me to sing a few lines and you know do some tracks like you know layers and all of that went quite well and then one day he he then went back to india and we we had bonded really well by then so we were like you know just just like friends basically and i had no expectations out of uh, you know music as such from him or anyone for that reason so i was like okay cool if it works it works but this is good like it's just good to know that you know there's someone from the music community someone i really respect who is actually able to come to sydney and i'm i'm still connected in music you know to music in some way so that was a really good thing so one day santosh called me from india and he was like hey you have your sm58 right and i had my mic here like my sure sm58 and i had like a focus right 2i2 sound card which i still have and he's like hey so i'll send you a, a, a logic project can you just record the same line like you know four times and send it back to me quickly i just need like some layers on this and so that was part of my avisai like i had already done the choruses but you know, there was that, those lines that go unuyaram so those lines I'm like okay cool and i thought you know i had done like chorus in that song but then when the song released i realized she had actually retained just my voice for those parts and it credited me as a singer i was quite elated so that was i guess that was my moment like my you could say that that was really my first playback singing moment in a big movie i had sung for like other composers by then like i had like songs released for other composers but typically what would happen is yeah i guess i guess it had to do with uh, image 
as far as a singer goes right so people also want singers that they that the audience knows so i would sing a song and then they would also add like a couple of other known singers to the song just to make sure that you know their names featured prominently and you know their voices were also there so eventually i would end up becoming like the third voice in a song so whereas this song is where i could distinctly hear myself and i was like yeah there you go song says you've sung it you've actually sung it and it's in a madhavan movie what more do you want so that really worked well i went to india for the premiere and yeah we hit it off from then uh, it's been it's been a wild and amazing journey till now I had the pleasure of singing some of the uh, best songs that he's composed and you know in some absolutely amazing movies i'm very grateful to santosh and meenaka for that yeah absolutely i 100% agree with that to be fair you can also hear i think at least mildly your voice in songs like elekichan yeah, i believe oh, yeah, i've yeah. done chorus for that so yes. i mean yeah chorus for ramon sir <laughs> that's that's definitely yeah, i did i did i did do a lot of chorus for ramon sir but the thing with you know doing chorus for ramon sir is that i never really got to meet him like one on one there must have been a couple of sessions during endiran when he was behind the console and there were like 20 of us doing the chorus but uh, yeah there was there was never a situation where you know he was just there with me in the studio and he asked me to try out something i get dreams about that kind of a scenario even today but that's not happened yet someday uh ele kicha the funny part was i actually sang those lines that you hear like the wale kondale bits mm. even though he was not there uh, i guess krishna chetan or someone was there in the studio and they recorded us and maniratnam sir was there so i i sang those lines and then suchit sureshan was with me so he sang the ema seela bits and then i mean a lot of other recordings happened on that song and i really wasn't expecting my voice to feature there but it did like it made the cut to the song so i think i got credited as a as a backing vocalist in the album but i know that it's my voice that that's there in those you know wale kondale bits yeah and uh, we we just touched on your relationship with santosh narayan and sir and you became a music director yourself with the film dagarti so just in general was getting into music direction something that you know you kind of always wanted to do or did this opportunity kind of come out of nowhere and you just jumped on it i always wanted to compose my own songs and you know put them out whether in movies or otherwise i i i still want to do that like i want to express myself as a musician as a composer i i am not the best when it comes to writing lyrics and expressing myself lyrically but i can come up with tunes and you know concepts for songs and i i have like friends that i collaborate with to get lyrics written like subu is one of my close friends who writes my lyrics for me so with dagalti it was it was the latter so it just came out of the blue and i owe it to uh, editor suresh so he contacted me on twitter once actually what had happened was santosh from think music you know i had met him at at an interview that i was giving at a, a radio station the interview was to do with irdi chutra the song that i had sung maya visai and at the time the anchor i think asked me to perform one of my original compositions and when i was doing it think music santosh happened to be there and he was like hey so i didn't know you composed and we just got introduced quickly he took my number and then looks like yeah he got in touch with me asking me to send me some of his compositions so he could pitch to or he could like look out for opportunities and i did that and turns out one of the songs that i had sent to him uh suresh had happened to hear it editor suresh and so he reached out to me on twitter and he said hey i'm suresh i've worked on these movies and he's worked on a lot of amazing movies himself and he's like would you be interested in composing for a movie that my friend is directing and like okay let's let's give it a go and 
it took a while it took almost a year for things to materialize but then it did and i was quite the surprise so it was it was great and the gaalti just happened like that and i i made it very clear at that time that you know i would be composing the songs from sydney i will make a couple of trips to india but i i will work remotely and only if you're okay with that we can go ahead with this and you know they were quite cooperative so it was great yeah and you you obviously did a lot of work as a singer up to that point singing for other composers before you got into music direction yourself so mm-hmm. was there anything that you consciously took or learned from composers like Santosh Narayanan as you were getting into music direction yourself uh yeah look everything's a learning process and santosh was was a mentor of sorts when it came to figuring out what works and what doesn't when it comes to movies because you do need that big sound like you know it's one thing to record just vocals with a guitar and you know make it sound good it's a song like you 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 sing something on a guitar it's a song but you can't just keep doing that throughout a movie right you need you need a movie to have songs that are punchy depending on the situation of course and Dagalti was the kind of movie that was like a proper commercial entertainer like it was meant to be that and so i did need a big sound and you know while i do have like reasonably decent sequencing and arranging skills there are times when you have to like you know reach out to people and collaborate on certain things and so you know in terms of artist selection or in terms of just nailing that sound santosh gave me a lot of guidance in that so yeah that that really worked well and i think i also drew from a lot of influences that uh, i listened to i listened to a wide variety of music so i had certain things in mind that i wanted to you know bring out and i also wanted to try and collaborate with musicians based in sydney if i could and i did manage to get a few of them on board for the movie as well so it was it was sort of like a an experimental project for me as well so you know i didn't treat it as a make or break thing as far as my film career was concerned i was like okay i've got this let's see what best i can do with this that's you know that works for the movie but at the same time i also get to try out various things and you know learn from it so i think to that end you know i was able to achieve that yeah and something that i find interesting you obviously with this project sort of became a singer turned music director and often when a singer turns into a composer particularly in the film scene since the singer is so used to looking at music through the prism of their own voice like it it can be difficult to move away from that so like and i don't mean this as a criticism i just mean it as you know a, a kind of inclination that is completely understandable you know for example when when sidhiram turned into composer for the film manam kotatam he sang i think five out of six songs in the album yeah. and like everyone loved it <laughs> yeah because everyone <laughs> loves his voice but you know yeah. when a singer turns into a composer sometimes it can be hard to to look at it from the perspective of of another voice and mm-hmm. you know compared to somebody like sid the number of songs you've sung in this album is is relatively low it's only part and part and if if i'm correct So yeah. I'm just curious was it ever difficult to to see a song in another voice did you have to consciously talk to people and try to understand how something might sound in in somebody else's voice I did have to do that because the thing is when I when I compose I just sing everything myself including the female parts right and then after a while you need that perspective you just need to know how it sounds in someone else's voice so I did try out a lot of singers for some of the songs like Kota Kota the Boda for instance but then I was very clear about you know the fact that I would only sing as many songs as the movie would require uh, in the sense that you know 
I had decided to sing Pare Pare and Pare Pare was sort of a, like a narrator perspective and not sung in first person, right? So right. that was one thing. So once I become that narrator, then I can't also become the protagonist in the movie. So if the protagonist is singing a solo line, then I can't be the same person singing that. I mean, that sort of, you know, deviates from the motive. That's how I was looking at it. So, and therefore, when in Alia Alia, the male voice is actually Santanam's character singing it, it couldn't be my voice. So I had to get someone else who could, who could sing that. And the only other challenge I had was Kutta Kutta Boda, which was like this song where, in fact, that, that was one of my independent songs where it, it was meant for a completely different purpose. It was more laid back, you know, it was like a new soul D'Angelo kind of a vibe. For the song. <laughs> but it changed into something completely different, which was fun. I was open to the idea of toying with that. So what happens was it's like two voices, like a voice of reason and the devil's voice in the hero's head. That's, that's you know, challenging each other. And then there's also the protagonist's imagination of the female's voice. Because, you know, like, what would the girl say having, you know, because he would have wronged her at that point. So, you know, a bit of guilt as well. So that was something where I wanted, and the protagonist is drunk, of course. So it's like, you know, you get your best realizations when you're drunk, sort of a song. And I needed like a fun voice and a a serious voice. But at the same time, you know, the whole movie is a comedy. So you can't like have like a too brooding a voice and whatnot. So I wanted to get, I actually want to get Anirudh and Santosh to do this. It would have been like an amazing combination, <laughs> right? And see, again, the choice was very easy that I couldn't be singing it because I can't be the protagonist's voice. Right. So yeah, I wanted Anirudh and uh, Santosh, but Anirudh was really busy with the uh, Rajni movie at the time. So, but he he was very sweet about it. I mean, I've, I've uh, known Anirudh since Ulalala time. So, and I... Santosh actually suggested Govind Vasanta. I was like, hey, why don't you try this guy? He's, he's like, you know, really good. And I texted him and Govind was like, yeah, sure, bro, let's do it. Like, I mean, I really wasn't expecting him to, you know, be so cool about it. Mm-hmm. And he literally just rocked up with the recording in like a day's notice and we finished it. So it was a great experience. Uh, what was the last song? That was it, right? I mean... Ah, Mayam was a female solo. So uh, that was in fact a last minute addition. I wish the song had done better. Like, you know, I wish I could have used the song better or, you know, probably just not used it in the movie. But yeah, and uh, the the opening, there was a theme, right? The one that Arivu did. Again, so I was was looking for something punchy for the trailer. And uh, Santosh said, hey, try Arivu out. Here's this new guy. He's a great rapper. Try him out. And... All I had to tell Arivu was, dude, this guy is a dugalty. So he's like a charlatan who does like random things. Because at the time, I didn't have like much to go on as far as a teaser cut was concerned. And this was mm-hmm. supposed to be music for a teaser. They said, look, I've got this arrangement. This is a guy who tricks people. And that's all I know. Go for it. And he wrote the lyrics in like an hour and he just recorded everything and sent it to me. I was just blown away. I sent it to the director and then they decided to you know, completely redo the teaser based on what I had sent them. So that's how it turned out. And again, it, it was never meant to be in the movie. It was just meant to be like a teaser theme that ended up becoming a song or rather a track in the album. So that's how that happened. So yeah, I guess the short answer to your question is I was just looking at what role should my voice play as far as the characters are concerned. And I just happened to choose Pare Pare because that's my preferred style of composing and singing. Like if I were to do an independent album, my songs would probably sound more like Pare Pare than Kota Kota the Bodha. So and that's the kind of song that I would like to be singing. So I guess that's why I chose that for myself. In fact, I was toying around with getting uh, Shankar Mahadevan sir to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, they, they didn't have the 
connects on the budget at the time so i decided ah. to go ahead myself i see i see yeah parin parin is definitely the kind of indie band kind of vibe for yep. sure yeah <laughs> So yeah, just kind of wrapping things up and kind of touching on a, on a few other things. As a blogger myself, at least I haven't, I haven't blogged in what I don't know. You you would be able to tell me how many years have I not blogged in? Uh, you did post on the this Udit Narayanan thing. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I think it was last year, if I'm correct. Yes, that was yes. that was more of a Twitter thread that I just pasted into the blog because I right, remember right. I had a blog. But yeah, I was just like. You know, <laughs> In, in one of those moods where I was listening to Udit Narayan, I was like, wow, this man is like perennially happy. He's like the Ted Lasso <laughs> of singers. Yeah, um, I, I'm just curious. What, what got you into, into blogging? The lack of other social media platforms back then. And oh. I, I always used to think I had a flair for writing. I don't know if that's true, but I just used to like penning thoughts down. I think I, I, I did that even before I was a musician. So it had nothing to do with my music. I, I would blog about the most random of things. There's a lot of posts that I've taken down uh, in my blog from my blog, but yeah, I was I was blogging from the days it used to be called Blogspot. <laughs> uh, writing is one of those things that I used to enjoy. I still enjoy it, but I just don't do it as often. I should get around to it. I mean, I've always thought that you know, in life, I would end up writing a book. I have no idea what it would be about, but it's one of those things. <laughs> one of those things that you realize as a child, you know, you want to do this. Well, what, whatever it's about, uh, you can guarantee a customer here. So uh, just shoot me a message when it's coming out. <laughs> like, obviously, you've, you've done a lot of blogging. Um, you also had a publication on, on First Post on the yeah. music of Kabali. Is that something that you might pursue or was that just kind of a one-time thing? So one of my friends was an editor at First Post and she asked me if I could write something about it at the time. And I just jumped on it because, well, writing was fun. I, I just did it as, as a one-off. Mm-hmm. I would definitely be interested in doing it if, you know, somebody thought that I could, I would be good at it and, you know, they, would, they were willing to give me that responsibility. So I guess it's also about belief. Like, I mean, even with singing, right? So Santosh sort of believed in me and he just, and that's, that's one of the things he does. Like, he doesn't go after brands or names. He's like, well, this person's good. And then once he decides, you know, he likes your voice or it suits his song, then he will make sure that, you know, he makes you understand what you're bringing to the table for that song. So then you start to believe in yourself and you start to know what your responsibility is towards that song and what you want to deliver. So I think, I think that's, that's a great thing that I uh, have learned from him. You have to make your stakeholders believe in you. That's, that's really important. If somebody believes that I can, I can write something and it can be, uh, I used to want to write music reviews. I, I, you may have seen a few in my blog and, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I can, yeah, they would have been like all mostly like Raman fanboy or disappointments <laughs> or celebrities. <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to want to become a music reviewer, but then, you know, that there were people doing it better than me, like Millie blog and uh, music allowed and all these guys. So I'm like, okay, you guys do your thing. I'm just going to like do what I'm good at now for now. <laughs> so just in general, what does the future hold for you? Is there anything you're working on that you'd like to share? I've been working on a set of songs for the past 10 years. Yeah, well, like I said, there's, there's, there's bouts of inspiration when I do something, I record an idea and sometimes it's, it's actually like a full, fully formed song, but it's just that I don't sit and produce and you know, create a roadmap for what the soundscape for the song should be and how do I release it and whatnot. 
and i've just watched like different waves of you know the music industry changing lots of things happening so earlier i wanted to use movies as a vehicle for a couple of the songs that i've got whereas now i'm like okay look there's there's a reasonably good uptake for independent music these days so might as well just self produce and publish on spotify or something so yeah eventually i i hope to do that i do have a concept album that i'm thinking about doing and some of these songs would would feature in that again every time somebody asks this question i feel quite guilty for actually not having worked enough all these years to you know bring out even a single song but yeah hopefully in the next year or two you'll see uh, original music from me and i do intend to continue singing in films or any any other uh, collaborations that people want to do i've also found uh, you know making like you know the kind of random instagram stuff that i've posted off late i've been quite enjoying that so not going to look at it as a serious avenue of content creation but mm-hmm. i would like to in, you know incorporate like music and humor and do something with it maybe yeah that that sounds great i'll, I'll definitely be looking forward to an independent album if, if that does come out soon and i'm sure many of the listeners will be and obviously we we've spoken a lot and obviously the reason why you're basically here is because you're a wonderful wonderful vocalist that's you know that's touched millions of hearts over the okay. years and i don't know if it's too late or if your neighbors might get angry but <laughs> would it be possible perhaps a, a tune or two So just a quick note here. Unfortunately, he had another commitment right after this interview. So we didn't do the singing during the interview, but he was extremely kind and he took time off to sing a couple of tunes and send it over to me afterwards. So I'll include them here. Uh the three songs presented here. The first one is all of you probably know it. It's Aesirli from the film Kodi starring Tanush. Uh the song is composed by Santosh Narayanan. one of Vijayanarain's biggest hits for sure and so he sung that for us the second song is an original composition of his only the hindi version called malik tuhe is out publicly but he's actually working on a tamil version right now so he sent a bit of that to us and the third song is arigis indrela um a song composed by rehman sir from the film kangal kaise which he's well known for singing on super singer So huge thanks to Vijay Narain for taking the time to do this and here are the songs. Yes orali aragi velagi kalagatti poravale iridi tiridi aragutitta nagaru arali noradalli pole vekko koradi wo வயசத்தா தித்திப்பா தின்னே உசுரத்தா கத்தி சொன்னி அலகுல என்ன கொத்தி அலையிற விட்டா கொஞ்சம் பொழைக்கிற விடுடி முட்டை ஓட்டு மனசுல கண்ண தூக்கி எறியிற திட்டாயட்டி சதறுற எரளி திறந்தே இருக்கும் முந்தன் வாசலில் தானே துறந்தேன் சந்தேகங்களை அங்கே நானே தீராவினைகள் என்னை சூழுவதாலே 
தஞ்சம் வந்தேன் எங்கள் ஷிரடி சாயே என் கூவல் கேளாயையா சொல்லும் மந்திரம் சொர்க்கம் சேர்ப்பவன்னியே செல்லும் பாதையும் சேரும் கோயிலும் நீயே சிலையுள்ளில் சத்திய சக்தியும் நீயே சுவாமியும் நீயே சதுகுரு நீயே சாய் 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 அருவிகள் மேலே நோக்கி பாய்ந்திடுதே மலைகளும் துள்ளி துள்ளி நடந்திடுதே என எனக்கே அறிமுகம் செய்தாய் என எனக்கே அறிமுகம் செய்தாய் அழகிய சென்றல்லா சென்றல்லா மீண்டும் வந்தாள் அவள் வந்து நெஞ்செல்லாம் நெஞ்செல்லாம் லட்சம் மின்னல் தந்தாள் முதல் முறை பெண்ணின் வாசம் வீசுதே முதல் முறை முக்தி நிலை வந்ததே ஓ என்னை எனக்கேதான் நீ அறிமுகம் செய்தாய் உன்னை எனக்குள்ளே விதைக்கவும் செய்தாய் ஒன்றாரெண்டா எந்த அவஸ்தை அழகிய சென்றல்லா சென்றல்லா மீண்டும் வந்தாள் அவள் வந்து நெஞ்செல்லாம் நெஞ்செல்லாம் லட்சம் மின்னல் தந்தாள் And uh, just one final question that I ask to every guest that comes on. It's nothing too special, but uh, what, what's on your playlist? What's on my current playlist? A bit of Mehdi Hassan, A.R. Rahman, obviously, but older A.R. Rahman, none of the uh, newer stuff, to be honest. Like, you know, mostly like 90s and 2000s Rahman. Nora Jones, a couple of Nora Jones songs. And then I've got, uh, what have I been listening to? Dodi. Okay. Artist called Dodi, of course. and uh what's on my playlist i've got a few playlists a fair bit of like neo soul and r&b i guess and a little bit of james blake john mayer and some hindustani natya sangeet and stuff asantrao deshpande pandit asantrao deshpande and uh, jitendra abhisheki yeah i think and a bit of bossanova yes i mean ah, okay again i got introduced to bossanova by uh, the fact that pradeep did a bossanova carnatic fusion album called mm. yadaka draws heavily from bossanova right so right. like what what the hell is the genre and then i discovered <laughs> tom zoblem and his collaborations with uh, frank sinatra and then you know gilberto astrid gilberto and all these and i recently got a nylon guitar during the lockdown and i tried to learn some bossanova chords uh, failed miserably so i'll probably attempt it again sometime yeah my playlist is quite, mm-hmm. quite varied it depends mm-hmm. upon the mood but it's mostly yeah this all right sounds great thank you so much for your time i really do appreciate it it's late at night in australia as i understand it but you know thank you so much 
for your time. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I'll leave all of uh, Vijay Narain's uh, social media links and streaming links in the description. So make sure to go check all that out and make sure to follow him on all of the relevant platforms. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, that was Vijay Narain on our 13th episode of the Indoenses podcast. And thank you to everyone that has tuned in. You can find us at the Indoenses, spelled T-H-E-I-N-D-O-E-N-C-E-R-S, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can use the links in the description. Likewise, you can find our homepage at theindoenses.wordpress.com or through the link in the description. Make sure to subscribe to the Indoenses podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you once again, and we'll see you next time.